going to start uh, our teaching time. So if there are people around that if you need a Bible or a teaching note card, guess what? We have those. Yep. Uh, our teaching note cards even have our own name on it, which we feel really excited about. It's the little things, guys. It's the little things uh, as we start. Um, actually, a, a friend pointed out to me, um, you probably shouldn't call it halftime because it definitely wasn't half. So you're in it for the long haul at this point. So if you got your coffee already, you can go get more anytime you want to. Let's just, let's just be those people that if you're out of coffee and you want more coffee, just get up and get more coffee. Pretend that's your kitchen over there and you're just going to go into the next place uh, to do that. Because uh, that's, that's the way we want it to feel. People have kept asking me in the last little bit, um, how, are you, how are you feeling are, are about all of this? It's your first Sunday and, and all of those things. And um, I said... I'm, I'm not nervous, but I'm like kind of jacked up. You know what I mean? Like I slept about four hours last night, so that's fine. But it was more like a nervous anticipation uh, of all that, that we get to experience together. But I also said this, and I said it to our team as we stood around here and prayed this morning. I said, it feels like we're going to throw a dinner party, but not like the stressful dinner party where there's like, people you don't know, and they're going to come over, and you want everything to be perfect, and the food has to be just right. It's like when your family's coming over. Like, if the food's not ready when they get there, it's fine. If you've got, you know, if you're hiding your laundry under the bed, that's fine. Uh, so I feel that way this morning with all of you to, to, to gather here, that it doesn't have to be perfect or go smoothly or all of that stuff. We just get to be together uh, and worship together. So I hope that this moment for us doesn't, uh, doesn't ever wear off because it really does feel surreal to be here with all of you um, and because it's been something that we've just been dreaming and planning and praying about for forever. Um, I kind of talked about the team of, of six people. They're actually the group that hired me, so I think they're a pretty great team of people. Appreciate that. Um, but they've been thinking and praying about this place for a long time. Um, so it's, I think for them, it feels like it's been, it's been, a long, it's been a year, right, of thinking and dreaming and, and asking God for direction and, and all those things. That what, what is church going to be about? If we uh, want to be a second campus, and let me tell you, there is some really great advantages of just being another campus. We get all kinds of stuff for free, and Christy Hansen makes sure that all the things that I forgot, she just remembers. I opened a bag today, and I told Brian uh, Skolton this morning, I said, get pens. We don't have pens. And Christy had already thought of it, and there were pens in the little box that I opened up. And I'm like, Christy Hansen, she knows that I don't know what I'm doing, and I love that about her. Uh, but we talked about what kind of a church do we want to be. So there's a certain amount of DNA that we take with us because we are alive in Granville. And we love uh, being part of that DNA. But we, we keep saying, what is it that we're going to do that's different, that's going to reach people in, Gen or in Granville that Jenison won't? Because we are less, well, technically, by the way, the irony is not lost on me that you are currently in Wyoming. Just so you know, <laughs> currently Wyoming that's okay. Um, the building that we hope to be in when we uh, gather, uh, you know, again and, and have a big hard launch will hopefully be down the street, and that's Granville. Um, but what do we want to do if we want to be uh, people that do whatever it takes to create opportunities to build relationships with those in our community that God is drawing to himself? What is that going to look like for us? Because church takes on a sort of a DNA of its own really, really quickly, and what does it look like for us to do things, I don't know if I like the word differently, but not the same. You know, that sounds like the same thing. You know what I mean. We want to be, we don't want to be different for the sake of being different. We want to have a unique niche. I like that. Um, 
But church can sometimes feel more about us and what we want instead of a worship that we bring and offer to God because of what he's done for us. We talk about this a lot of times where we, we talk about the fact that we live in a consumer culture, right? We always talk about that, especially at Christmas time. Um, but I think sometimes church, a lot of times, church has become that too. We co- sort of, um, and I've, I've been a part of this, so I'm allowed to say this, but you kind of, you know, you're at church and you change. For me, when I was young, you change out of your church clothes, because that used to be a thing, and you change out of your church clothes. I had, had to wear tights. Mom made me wear tights when I was a kid. Do you remember those things? Those white, thick tights? Oh, they're like torture. Anyway, different story. So you change out of your church clothes, and then you gather around the kitchen table and, you know, get ready for dinner, and it would start to feel like a Monday morning quarterback session of all the things that you like, you know, I just really feel like the pastor didn't really bring it this morning or it got so long. Or if we sing that song one more time, I'm going to lose my mind or whatever it is. And some of you are sort of doing, oh yeah, I've been there before. I have said that. Or my favorite, um, no matter what, you know, church you go to, who's preaching this morning? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, yep, that's been in there, or I'm not going, or, you know, whatever that is. That's what we sort of do because we want church to fit into this box in which we've created it to be, and church is this thing that we do. This thing that we do on Sunday morning that's an hour to maybe an hour and a half, more than that, and people are going to get a little, little mad at you. Terry says, can I have your permission? I'm not going to ask for permission ever because I'm just going to do what I want. How about that? Uh, but it's this time in this, in this space, in this week, and this is, this, is what, this is what church is. It's this time, this one time. And I think church is much more than that. Church, Terry says it this way, and we have, we have meetings with him uh, once a week, and so he's trying to like download all the information he can. Um, and as we've been gathering people and saying, you know, it's, it's been... It's difficult sometimes to sit in a room with people and say, this is, what, this is the vision that we have for Alive in Granville. Do you want to be a part of this thing? Because um, it's hard when we're doing that in the very beginning. It, we didn't have a building or a space or a, it was just this, this idea and this dream because what we generally do is, but how's it going to feel to me on Sunday morning? And so he, he always he has kind of coined the phrase, um, worship, a worship service is like crack to a Christian right? Like they just can't get enough of that thing because we love the way we feel when we come together to worship. We love it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's part of um, what makes church uh, amazing is when you feel connected to a group of people um, that you can feel free to have these moments of worship and just sort of lose yourself in that. But every time I talk about that, it's like it's the how I feel, how I feel and what I'm about and what it makes me feel and worship has sort of stopped being about that church has has stopped being about more than sometimes just what happens here when I read the book of Acts and and Paul's letters to the church I often sometimes I think like on a day where I'm feeling a little cynical I just keep like what happened to us right like what what happened to us so if you have Bibles um, this is a really familiar familiar passage to you but turn to Acts 2 X242. I probably know it by heart, but I, like I said, four hours of sleep and a lot of coffee. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna chance it. Hear the reading from Acts 242 from the book that we love. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those that were being saved. That feels good. Like that feels, uh, that feels, it feels lofty sometimes. It feels like uh, when I read that, we're missing some things. You know, they gathered together daily and I don't think they necessarily cared about all of this. Like maybe there's coffee, maybe. Probably wine if we're going to be really honest about that. Uh, but this idea of, of, of gathering together, of, of being devoted to praying together, of, of, of being so understanding of what your community needed that you would sell the things that you have that were either in excess and in some cases selling out of um, over and above and then giving that money to make sure that everybody was taken care of, a redistribution of wealth within their one community. That's, what, that's part of a big part of what church was. And as a church, sometimes, especially you know, our, our churches around here, right? we spend a ton of our overall budget on salaries and programs and all the things that are, are great and, and good and, and healthy, but not always about taking care of the people in our community that are poor or marginalized or never may set foot in a worship service. But I think God calls us to care about them anyway. And more than anyway, that's our, that's our, main, that's our, main, our main goal and our main focus. But the church was established after Jesus, right? So it moved from being the temple and the law and um, for the Jews and it moved to the church of Jesus Christ for everyone. That was, a, that was a shift that happens. As we read the New Testament, we've got to think back to what, what the way that Jesus lived his life, the way that he intended his church to be, because it's what, he, it's what he gave us, it's what he instructed to us and for us after he led, and so after he left. So to understand church and what we should be about, we have to understand the heart of Jesus. To understand that he came to love and to serve. Jesus emptied himself of everything that he was, his fully divine nature to be one of us, to experience the world in, in ways that we do, to be hungry, to be tired, to be, uh, to be angry, um, all of those things to experience because of us, for us. It's a pretty amazing thing when you, when you think about it. So why, why do we behave sometimes so, so differently? In John, uh, John 30, or John 3.30, it says, he must be greater and I must become less. We like to quote that a lot and we like to focus on, I have to be better. I have to be less of the junk that I am and better for who God is. And when I really sort of look at that piece of scripture, I don't, I don't think that's the main focus of what he's saying. John's saying the law is over, right? The, the idea of uh, the religious, the, the, the Pharisees and the laws, and not only did in, in, in Jesus' day, right, they had the Torah, right, the, the book of the law, and then they, just in case they didn't, they didn't, they so desperately didn't want to break the law that they like 
made it bigger. Like they put like a fence around it. So if, if this is the law, this is the line that like you can't do this, I'm going to go ahead and build it out a little further so that I don't even get close to breaking the thing that I'm not supposed to do. Right? And he said, John's saying that part's over and Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God. So we've got to let go sometimes, all the time, of the, of the rules and the things that we say are right and who's allowed in and everybody gets to come and hear the gospel because it is for everyone. Sometimes we have to allow Jesus to take our sinful desires that we have and to fill us with the love of Christ Jesus because the church used to be good at that. And I think that, that in our heart of hearts, that's exactly what we want to be, but sometimes what we say and what we do feel really crazily different sometimes. And that is, that's a frustrating thing, I think, for us. And it's definitely frustrating for the people that are outside of this place. Because, you know, everybody knows somebody that either has been in church for a really long time and they have this story of how the church has hurt them in some way. Or they have felt hurt by the church. And whether that's true or not, it's true for them. And so everybody, you know, has a friend or a story that has something like that. And maybe that someone is you. And you went to a church and there was a relationship that got broken or um, the church treated you in some way that you felt wasn't, wasn't fair or good or hurt you. And then there are people that never set foot in here and from what they can tell about who we are, they never will. And that's the, that's the stuff that gets me out of bed in the morning. Right? That's the stuff that goes... There, we have the gospel story, the thing that transforms uh, our lives and the way that we live. This is for everyone. This is for uh, the people in our community. The church used to be at the epicenter of community. I actually just, just recently went with a friend, Whitney, and some other folks, um, and we went to tour a church in Midland. And this church in Midland, first of all, I'd never been to Midland, and to be honest, didn't actually know where it was. So... It turned out to be way further away than I thought, and this day, tri- this like couple-hour trip turned into like a whole day-long thing. Um, but it was, it ended up to be a really good time. But this guy named Ed um, sat with us and explained to us what they're about, and they have what they call peer ministries. So you can put that first slide up because I stole this from Ed. Um, I had my things all kind of prepared for today. I was ahead of time because, you know, I had a long time to think about what this was going to be like. Turns out I have to do it again next week. Um, wasn't, that's a thing. Anyway, we've got to keep working through that. Um, but I stole this from Ed because he, the things I was thinking about, about what church should be and what it could be, um, Ed brought some, a brand new, not perspective, but a way to look at it to go, you're doing it. You are doing it. The things that we spent time talking about was... Uh, what the church is about, and we, and we never once talked about um, the stuff of church. Like, he was in this big building, and he didn't take us on a tour of that. He sat us in one room, and then we went out to all these different places in community that it was. And so he calls it peer ministry. So his idea, you can give me the next slide, is that we are born into a river of sin, right? Like, I, I like that. It, now, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good metaphor, but you can't carry it all the way through theologically speaking, but for today, we'll go for it. So you're born into this river of sin. There's nothing that you can do about it, right? We call it original sin, um, and that's just what we're born into because the world is not in a right relationship with Jesus, right? 
So this is where, this is where you're born. And we live in a world that it just makes us sinful by nature. So the church used to be in the middle of the river. Give me the next slide, would you? That's where the church resided. And slowly and slowly and slowly, where people were, and where people were, were needed, needed the church, needed connection because they were, they were drowning, the church was scooping, scooping them up and giving them a place to belong. But slowly and, and, and surely throughout the years, our church has moved further and further away from the river. You can go to the next one. And the next one. Is there one more? Yeah, it's way up there. I want it to be on a hill. Because sometimes that's, that's what I feel like. People have to pull them out, their own selves out of this, this river of, of sin and hopelessness. And, and, because, and some of them, because they just they don't know. And they have to pull themselves out. And then they have to find their way and claw and climb up the hill to the place where the church is, where there's supposed to be hope and light. Why are we so far away from where the people are? Churches have gotten now almost to the point where I feel like if I could add to the photo, I'd want to put some walls and maybe a moat. Because I feel like sometimes we make it difficult, even more difficult, because it makes more sense for us to sort of um, take care of, of the people that we know and, and, and want to preserve this thing that we love because we're people that are together. And for the most part, we're doing it right. But we belong to Christ, and Christ has saved us because of who he is. And when we are, we get a life jacket. So the river can't hurt us anymore. We can't get drowned. We can't get swept away by it. So because of that, we need to get back in the river to, to start pulling people out. Because we know that a relationship with Jesus has transformative power for who we are and the way that we live. And so we know that God does the saving of the people, right? That is God's job. But don't think for one second that you're not part of that equation. So you gotta, you got to get your gear on and you got to jump back in. Because that's exactly where God calls us to be. <laughs> if you go back to Luke 5, which Jody uh, uh, read for us, what do you call that? You didn't recite it, you recited it? Okay, we'll call it that. Um, I love when you do things like that um, and just gets us to kind of feel it from a first person's perspective. But the, of all the people that Jesus called, who do he call? This is, uh, we're like 50 people. This is the audience participation part. Fishermen, of all the people, where do you catch fish? At the water, right? At the water. You can't, you can't fish from a hill Five miles away, you have to be next to the water to catch the fish. When I was a kid, my dad used to take us to the fish ladder in Grand Rapids. Remember that? That was a ton of fun. We'd get a treat from the gas station, and then we would go, and we'd watch the fish. And then some of the, I remember some of the guys, they'd have their waders on, and they would be in, in the water, literally up to their waist, trying to catch these fish. That's the church. That's the picture I love of what we should be as individual believers, part of a body of Christ, we should be in the water. We should be waist deep, up to our chest. The water can't hurt us anymore. Because if, if churches, this keeps dropping and I'm freaked out. Okay, if the church is going to be a place that's way up the hill and is starting to feel more like a fortress, and we gather together to, to read the Bible and to study and to pray, what's the point? 
If we're doing all these things while people are drowning so that we can have a really nice service and sing the songs that we like with the people that we like and a new outfit that we recently bought, especially for church, then what's the point? It's stupid. It's, it's, it is a waste of our time if we are gathering together in a place that makes us feel really good about ourselves when there are people that are in the river and they can't, they're trying to get their head above water because they're trying not to die. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And the church is who Christ called to be here on this earth. He left and then gave us pretty specific and clear instructions. And it never mentions a service or a building or a place at a specific time. The church is a community of fishermen, of people who cared about everyone, including, and most importantly, those that are stuck in the river. They worked together. They sacrificed together. They emptied themselves so that other people could live. They lived their lives on purpose for a purpose. And I bet it was really hard. And I bet it was inconvenient. And um, I bet there's people that took advantage of their, of their generosity. So what? I don't know. I think that there are people in Granville that are drowning. And I just want to help them get out. Because you're amazing people. You're amazing people who do amazing things, and I want you, us all, to be the people that invite people in and invite the mess and invite the, the imperfections and love them for who they are at this moment in time, not who we hope they could be, who we pray for them to be, who we someday want them to become, but who they are right now at this second when they're messed up and, and, and broken and all the things because so are you but we clean up really good on Sundays and we like to forget about the brokenness of who we are because we got to get back in the river because there's no mention of Sunday mornings, worship, capital campaigns, and growth strategies. None of those are, are fundamentally bad things. That is not what I'm saying. But when our focus is on saving the lost and joining the work that Christ is already doing, we can't do that at the expense of those other things. So we want to be a different kind of church. We want to bring life to our community, then we have to be a church and a people who takes up residency at the river. For some of you, uh, that means, that will mean changing something, right? Maybe for you it means physically moving. You know me, I'm trying to physically move myself to Granville. I'm going to leave my condo in Hudsonville, of which I've only been a year and a little bit, and it's very annoying, and move. Because <laughs> I want to be closer to the people in the community. That's, that's, that's where I want to be. But what, what does that look like for you? I'm not, all of you don't have to move to Granville. Be awesome, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> Can't even believe how awesome it would be. Because you get a house next year. I don't like to cook, but I could, like, hang out with you, and Jeff could make chili, and it would be, oh, be amazing. So I love potluck so much, right? But we have to be people that takes up residency by the river to pull people out and to love them. God throws life preservers sometimes in the form of people. Right? It's a cannonball, it's a swan dive, it's a whatever you want to do, but a willingness to get in the game. 
Because there are people that today are dying without the love of Jesus. And you passed a lot of churches on your way to this one, and people pass a lot of churches on the way to Alive, and all these things, but there's still 60% of our communities that aren't connected to anything. Because they don't believe that what we have is worth it. Because of whatever they've seen or experienced, they don't understand what it is here. Or they think they do, and they're like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not signing up for that. So we've got we've to be the ones to go to them. We have to be the ones to forge relationships with them. We have to be people that not only proclaim the gospel, but we want to be the church that brings the gospel. Let's be the church that meets in the deepest part of the river with the strongest currents. It's, the, it's going to be the messiest part. and It's not always going to work out. And um, your hearts are going to get broken because people do that, because we do that to each other. So that, that, those parts will be hard and it will be difficult, but that's where we're called to be because the gospel's for everyone. So I want to take, let's take down all the walls that we put up and fill in our moats and, and open up our doors and spend less time here and more time there so that this place is a thing that we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we come back here and we breathe in together. And we worship God. We give him everything that we are and all that we have so that he can fill us back up. That's what our worship calls us to do. It's a, it's a moment to breathe in and to, and to be filled by the, the life-giving truth that only he can give us so that we are empowered to go back out to the river. To take a breath in, to break bread, to fellowship into prayer. Those are the things that the church calls us to do. Those are the ways that we can be Christ in really, really tangible ways in our community. And we just keep praying that God's going to reveal that to us and and what those ways look like. And if you're only here for a moment because you love us a lot and you want to be supportive uh, of who we are, thank you. It means the world to me that you're here. But the message still applies to you. It applies to all of us to go into those places where you live. We've been talking a lot about our circle of five. So those people in our lives that we want to continue to to pray for and to meet in those places. Who are those people for you? Whether they're disconnected from a church or have never gone in one, what are the ways that you get to meet them where they are and love them right now for who they are? Think about those people. Because today we're going to Part of what we do as a church is to, is to break bread and to pray. And we've prayed and we have worshipped in, in, in song and we have worshipped with coffee and with hugs and we have worshipped by reading scripture. Um, and today, I want us to participate in the holiest of meals together. It's pretty cool that we get to be gathered in this place to, to, to do that. Um, I was reading, I'm, I'm reading a lot lately because I don't know a lot and then they made me a pastor. So I'm just reading a lot, talking a lot, praying a lot. And I came across this um, by Francis Chan, who I'm sort of obsessed with right now. It said, God designed communion to be an intimate act of remembering his flesh and blood. More than just an exercise of the mind, he wanted us to actually eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Communion is not just about intimacy with Jesus, It's also about intimacy with one another. 
So we're going to prepare to have this meal together. That we have to also examine our hearts and where we are. How we maybe have been the people that's done the hurting. Maybe we're people that have, our, that have been bruised and hurt ourselves. But if you're ready to share the meal, then it's for you. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. We'll, we'll wait. We'll do this again. We'll do this all the time. Uh, wait for that moment until it's, it's, it's right and ready for you. Get connected to me or somebody on our team, and, and we'll pray with you and, and talk that through so that you also can share in this meal. But let's pray together and just prepare our hearts. Father God, we, we just ask a blessing. We just thank you for um, what you gave to us in your son Jesus, his complete emptying of himself, of all that he was for us because of his great love for us. And that's something that we, we can't take for granted because you've invited us to the table of grace. Because nothing that we're going to do it, it can ever be something that we earn or deserve, but it's something that you give us because you love us so much. I pray that that is a truth that transforms the way that we live, that helps us to get back in the river, to move out of the places that feel really comfortable to us and move into the places that are going to feel uncomfortable. Because there are people that you are already calling to yourself and they need a lifeline. And I pray that we can, we can scoop people up. And God, now as we enter into this, this, to this table, to this time of, of meeting and, and eating together, um, Lord, you know uh, what's in our hearts and on our hearts in ways that you need to continue to refine us and mold us and make us more like you. And so God, we just take this time, this moment, um, to confess to you some of the things that are going on in our lives that don't always feel like we're connected to you in some way. Or those moments in our life where we need you, but we just haven't taken the time to stop and ask. So God, uh, in these next moments, hear our prayers. God, we thank you that your brokenness, your broken body, and your blood spilled to the ground for us assures us that all our sins are forgiven and that we are made whole and fresh and new because of you. God, now as we meet together at this table, bless us with your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.